what we're used to, and that's the reason we need to look at them. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look and we're going to read some verses together today. <clears throat> the charity of God. If you haven't figured it out, that's a little of what we need to be as, as believers. It's the thing that, that moves us and motivates us in a way that makes it different than anything else uh, and makes us stand out. And it's not just something that we put on, it's something that happens by faith. Uh, some, we, when we do God's work and God's way and God's strength, it comes through His grace. And, uh, and that's, that is an amazing thing. It's, it's, it cannot be defined. If you think about it, the martyrs that uh, went to the, to the stake, uh, they did it because they loved God, and they loved people around. They wasn't willing uh, to capitulate uh, who God was. They weren't willing to, because they understood the love of God and the, and this idea of love for others, which is defined very much in the book of First uh, Corinthians, chapter number thirteen. So starting First Corinthians, chapter number thirteen, we're going to read down through almost the entire. I think we got only 13 verses. We're going to read the entire thing. So let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. <clears throat> the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, and become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, it is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, and seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, and hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a, through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know, even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord God, it's because of that uh, outreach, Father, by your people that has brought each one of us to the saving knowledge of who you are. We thank you for that willingness to love people and care for people even when there's no reason to do it. No human way. We thank you for it. And I pray, Father, that we would ask for help when it comes to being just like you. 
manifesting a charity for people that, Father, are indifferent, maybe even opposed not only to us but to themselves. I pray you'd bless the time together in your word. Father, when we think of being an evangelist, when we think of handing out a track and giving a verbal witness, Father, the necessity is of charity. Please bless as only you can. Be with those that couldn't be here for whatever reason this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a seat. How does this, uh, is this being recorded? Okay. Um, so you see here we have the idea of charity. First of all, I want to take some time, and, and if you have, uh, I want you to take down just a few notes, and if you have to, because it, from time to time people want to take this word charity out of the Bible, out of the King James Bible, and substitute it with love. First of all, let me give you the idea of the difference. I'm going to give you a definition of charity. Of, well, let me give you the first definition of love, then we'll come back and give you charity. So maybe you can understand that there is quite a contrast between the two. The idea of, in defining love is the general sense is to be pleased with. All right? The idea of love is that you're pleased with your wife or you're pleased with your kids, all right? Or you're pleased, if you want to go this far, you're pleased with your car. Maybe you got a dog that you really get a lot out of. You're pleased with your dog, all right? The idea of, of, of that kind of, of being pleased with, to regard with affection on account of some qualities which excite a pleasing sensations or a desire for gratification. We love a friend on account of some qualities which give us pleasure in, in, his, in, in society. We love a man who, who's done us a favor. Gratitude enters in. Gratitude enters into the composition of our affection. We love our parents, our children, on account of their connection with us, on account of many qualities which please us. We love to retire in a cool shade in the summer. We love a warm room in the winter. We love to hear an eloquent advocate. The Christian loves his Bible in short. So you get the idea that love is something that we receive, all right? The idea there is that when we look at that, then we have to ask ourselves, then if, if love is something that I receive, then what is charity? Something that you give. So it may be that somebody is showing charity toward you, and you receive it as love. All right? They are maybe showing a benefit to you, a blessing to you, and it may not be because of anything you did. You think about if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 17 or 7, where it talks about in a marital relationship where one may be lost and one may be saved. And that saved individual wants, to, wants that lost spouse to be saved. And so they may be showing a lot of godly love toward this spouse and not getting anything in return. Think about that. You grabbed uh, tracks this week, last week. You put them in your pocket, right? 
No, you're going to put them in somewhere where they're going to be easy access, your purse. You say, why? It's because I want to take the opportunity maybe to be able to show some charity towards somebody else. They haven't done anything to deserve it. There's no reason that I'm going to do it, but, but there is. Let's look at the idea of charity again. Charity defined in general sense, love or benevolence benevol to think favorably of their fellow, uh, to do them good. In a theological sense, it includes supreme love to God. And that's where we're at. It's because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father on this vertical scale that all of a sudden we have the ability to love others. <laughs> we spend some time in his word and in prayer. We spend some time getting his mind and his heart. And we begin to realize how much he loves us. We sing our cup runneth over with joy, real joy. <laughs> we understand God loves us and it's a, uh, it, it is a kind of love that's not based on merit. He doesn't love us because we did something wonderful. He doesn't love us because we're a good people. He loves us because he sent his only begotten son and he sees that you put your faith in that finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason he loves you. And we are filled with the love of God to the degree that we want. Listen, this is why I'm, I want to get this out. Is that we want to go out and be an evangelist. We want to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. If the want to isn't there, the disposition of heart isn't there, then it's one of two things. Either you don't know Jesus as your Savior... And that's a possibility. There's probably somebody in this room this morning that don't have the disposition of heart because they're lost. You can never know the love of God to love somebody else until you experience firsthand. Very important. Very important. That's why some people are trying to live the Christian life and yet they don't have the resource to do it. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God. They don't have the, uh, the forgiveness of sins. They don't understand the greatness of God. And they so struggle to live the Christian life. They so struggle to come to church. They so struggle to give. They so struggle to love the people in the church around them. Well, the problem is, is you need salvation. The only way you can really fix that first problem is that you need to be born again. You can't love God and you can't love others until you come to the grips that you are in need of Christ's love yourself. You're in need of forgiveness. There's a lot of people that have a hope so, maybe so, think so, salvation. Listen, that will get you nowhere. It's a worn out illustration, but I love to use it. You can live in a garage, but that don't make you tired. Right? You can come to church regularly. You can give in the offering plate. You can do all the Christian, Christian things you want. That don't necessarily make you a Christian. How many ever been in that situation? Went to church? You gave. You did all those things. And then you come to the realization, hey, I'm lost. You're looking at a guy like that. The first 30 years of my life, I, I remember taking my kids and getting them baptized as babies. 
taught Sunday school. I was on the church council. But I didn't know the love of God. I had a hope so, maybe so, think so, salvation. And I had somebody where I worked, didn't know me from Adam, beginning to share with old Kirk. He didn't know me. He just opened up his Bible and began to share with me the truth about my need for salvation. I could have rejected him, rejected his Bible, rejected his Savior, but he just kept on loving me. here this morning and you're trying to live the Christian life and you're not saved, start with being born again. When the Bible says you must be born again, it's not in there. That must word is in there for a reason. It's not, some people have to be a born again and some other people can just kind of slip through the cracks. No, everybody's got to be born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus night. We know thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do the miracles thou do except God be with him. That's quite a compliment, isn't it? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Whoa. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Listen to me, kids. Some of you kids are riding on the coattails of mom and dad and their Christianity. And, and you can ride on those coattails. That doesn't make you a Christian. Your mom and dad can wish for you to be a Christian. They can have devotion with you to be a Christian. And they can pray for you to be a Christian. But it's your choice. You choose. You see your sin. You come before the throne of God. Say, God, I am a sinner. And I need Jesus as my Savior. I don't have a desire like dad does to read his Bible. My mom does. I don't have a desire like dad does to have devotion. I don't have a desire to have my devotions and pray like mom and dad do. Well, there's a reason I don't have that desire. Because you don't know the love of God. And you don't know the forgiveness of sins. So please, taking some time with it here this morning. Because I'll stand before God and say, didn't you preach the gospel to the people in your church? But there's a second reason why we don't have charity. And that's the second reason I think fits in a lot of people's category in this room this morning. That's why I have these verses on the thing behind me. By the way, I didn't get any books signed this morning. You better get them up here. Because you don't have your devotions. See, you know, the idea, there's a, have you seen that on YouTube? There's a, supposedly a big revival going down in Burlington. North Carolina, South Carolina. Been going on for several weeks now. It's actually a Bible-believing, supposedly. And so I haven't really found the details all, but it sounds pretty solid. Yeah. Is Kenny a part of it? Oh, wow, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, uh, well, see, I didn't know that. Kenny uh, Fontenot, he's actually a guy that we support. Is start, he took over a church in Wilson, North Carolina. I, that's interesting. And uh, last I heard, there has been over 600 people saved in this nine weeks of revival. 
Now, if you go to first Baptist with Hammond, they get that in one week, but I'm talking about something outside of first Baptist, all right? But if you don't know the desire and have this kind of charity, then let me, let me give you, you have to have the disposition of heart. And part of that is a new obedience to Christ. If you, if you say, I'm saved, Pastor, you can't shake me from that. I remember the day I put my faith in Christ, and I was, I mean, God really changed the way I thought. Well, then you might need to be revived. You need to come to God and say, listen, I haven't been living in obedience. I've been, uh, I've been kind of straining at this idea of Pastor handing out these tracts and this accountability thing. I'm kind of straining at that a little bit, and you don't have the disposition of heart. You know what? You can get the disposition of heart. God can take an old sinful heart and he can change it around. If you confess sin, by the way, confessing sin is something that Christians ought to be doing. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin in God's eyes. I guarantee you that some of us had that this morning. Foolish thought came in your mind. You said, oh Lord, I should have. You didn't ask God to forgive you for that foolish thought. Could have been, well, I really don't want to come to church. Is that a foolish thought? Uh, I re- well, I don't know whether I have money to get. Is that a foolish thought? I really don't have time for my... De- is that a foolish thought? Sure it is. You ought to ask God to forgive you. What the- That's the devil thinking and talking for you. So when we think about this charity and love, there's a whole, body, a whole lot of difference. Let's look at some of the things that the Bible speaks of. His charity. <clears throat> is reflected in, and you're going to look in verse 1 through 3, unselfish and an other-centered life. Look in the first three verses that we read in chapter 13. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling tin. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and have all, all, all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. Verse 3, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now maybe to really understand what he's getting to here in these verses, you have to go back to chapter 12. There was an ego problem in this church. And it was all about me. <laughs> Everybody in the church had a problem with uh, uh, who they were, and, 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 and they wanted other people to recognize they were somebody special. And he had to go through the whole litany of things. Verse number 12, if you want to jump back a little bit, we'll look at it. 12, 12 in chapter um, 1 Corinthians, he says, For as the body is one, hath many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body. Go on down to verse number 13, And for by one spirit are you all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, have all made to drink of that one spirit. For the body is not one member, right? It's not just one person. It's not the pastor of the church. It's not the deacon of the church. It's not somebody that can get up and sing in the church. It says says we're not one member, but we're what? Many. They 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 had another's problem. Well, it's bad when Christians get stuck on themselves. You realize that? We don't think we get stuck on ourselves, but boy, we guarantee you, you get out of the Word very long, you're going to have an eye problem. You're going to be stuck on yourself. 
You're going to be wondering, do people recognize, appreciate me, and wonder what about me, and pray for me, and it's all about you. Listen, when you get Jesus where he needs to be in that, in that regenerated heart, if you're a Christian, and he, he has his proper place on the throne of your heart the way he should have, then guess what? Who's going to have to get off that throne? Who's going to have to get off? You are. And all of a sudden, once you get off that throne, you're not going to be worried about you anymore. I mean, if you come and you think, well, well people don't appreciate I've just got all this little whiny spirit in your heart. When you come to church, people don't appreciate me, and they don't think about me, and they don't pray for me, and they don't blah, blah, blah. Then you've got a problem with you on your throne. And so you try to get attention one way or another. And he goes through this litany of things. <clears throat> In verse 19 of chapter 12, if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet one body. That means that nobody is thinking about themselves. Everybody's thinking about each other. I guarantee you. <clears throat> if I bring Logan up here, I say, come up here with me, Logan. I'm not going to do it. I'd say, come up here, Logan. Stand on the thing. And I'd say, how are you doing, Logan? And I'd accidentally reach over and step on Logan would be going, oh, go ahead and step on the other ones too, Pastor. That felt good. No, he'd be like, oh, oh wow. wow. I didn't know you were so fat. Man, look what you did to my toes. The rest of his body would be worried about what? That's the way a body should work. That's the way a body should work. Once you have this mindset in the church, then it not only stop, doesn't stop at the church, it goes out. It's unselfish and other centered. You look at the last part of, of chapter 13, he again continues to uh, reiterate when we have this wrong mindset of, about ourselves, notice what? When, verse number 11, when I was a child, I what? I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I did what? I put away child. What is one of the big issues when a, when a person, person's young? All about who? It's all about me. Man, I mean, I don't know how many fights I saw in my uh, granddaughter's house, but there was, a, there was quite a few of them. And it wasn't because they were thinking about others. Right, Brooke? Because they were thinking about who? Me. You know what? You'll never be happy when you're thinking about yourself. It just won't be. We call you Mr. and Mrs. Miserable. That's just the way you're going to be. Because you know what? You can never satisfy yourself. You can never do that. But when you get off and get out of this idea of selfishness, guess what? And that you become other-centered, you're going to find yourself to be one happy camper. His charity is a reflection of it. It says in verse number 4, <clears throat> you'll take your Bibles and turn there, you're going to see becomes what? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. That idea of long-suffering is bearing injuries 
or provocation for a long time. That means things are going on in your life that are just kind of going on. <laughs> I mean, what I'm talking about is some things just going on in your life. But you know what? You're long-suffering with it. How can you be long-suffering with something that's bearing down on you? Think about that. Doesn't it kind of get on your great, great your nerves? Doesn't it kind of change and taint your spirit? And things aren't just changing the way you like, and things aren't just the way you need them to be. And it just kind of weighs on your head and in your heart and on your mind. How in the world can you get over that? Jesus. It's just Jesus. Somehow, you know, you can worry and fret and, and not, that doesn't go away, whatever the issue is. But the idea of long-suffering, and listen, usually that long-suffering isn't something in your life. It's something in somebody else's life that affects you. And you want to just give them a piece of your mind. Right? You're just like the old Roy Rogers, you know? You're quick to the draw. Right? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to, and that just unload. And boy, once you unload, you think you're going to feel better, do you? No. Because that's not the way God had designed us to be. We designed to be long-suffering. Bearing in injuries or provocation for a long time. Somebody says something sour or kind of, uh, you wonder how, why they said it. Or, and they say it kind of mean toward you. And, and boy, you want to come back with another. How I many I like that? And I'm built like that. I want to come back and <laughs> give it to them. That's not long-suffering, folks. Secondly, you're kind. The idea of charity is yet you're kind. Not be, you're not long-suffering because uh, you're, they, they make it tolerant for you. You're not kind because it's, it's uh, something they've done for you. It's disposed to do good to others. Again, that word, disposition and disposed to do good to others and make them happy by granting their requests, supplying their wants, assisting them in their distress, having tenderness or goodness of nature, benevolent. Wow. And no real reason to be like that? Come on, Pastor. Who do you think I am? I'm not made like that. You get Jesus on the throne and you will be like that. It just pours out. You're long-suffering. You're kind. The idea there is that, <clears throat> and not only that, look at the next one if you're in Chapter, four, chapter 13, verse 4. You will not <clears throat> desire to envy. What is envy? Somebody help me out. What's your definition of envy before I give you mine? Yeah, you cover one. Something somebody else has got, right? Maybe you covet their health. Maybe you covet their smarts. Maybe you covet because they're skinny. Maybe you covet because they got a nice job. Maybe you covet because they got a nice family. There's all. I know I said skinny, didn't I? That got everybody's attention, didn't it? There's a lot of reasons that we can envy. And we're made like that. Let me say it again. Without Christ, you will be not long-suffering. Without Christ, you will not be naturally kind to people without a reason. Without Christ, you will envy. 
you try not to. I'm going to try to turn over a new leaf. I'm not going to be uh, envious if there's anybody else. Well, unless you have time with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you the definition of that. <clears throat> to feel uneasy, mortification or discontent at the sight of superior excellence, reputation or happiness enjoyed by another. To repine at another's prosperity, to fret, to grieve one's self at the real or supposed superiority of someone else. Envy. So when we're not envying someone that we could envy, we've got something from the Lord that tells us, it's okay. I've given you everything that you need. You're fine. And God bless them. I'm so glad they did. They are blessed with with whatever they have. See, that's supernatural, my friends. That's not something that, that comes natural or normal. Next one, not only do we not, <coughs> we're long-suffering, we're kind, we don't envy, but we will not need to vaunt themselves. Vaunt is not a word that we use anymore, so I definitely will have to give you a definition on that. Well, give me an idea. What do you think vaunting is? It's good. But very, very good. It's the idea that you've got to kind of kind of lift up yourself. How many of you ever find yourself doing that? Just a little bit. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, you want to kind of, well, you don't know how great I am. You, you, I got to tell you, I, there's something really good about me. You don't even realize it. Once I tell you, you're going to really appreciate it. And you're going to think, what is it if we, instead of trying to push ourselves up, we what? Bring ourselves down where we should be. <clears throat> to boast, to make vain display of one's own worth, attainments, or de decoration, decoration, to talk with vain ostentiousness, to brag. Pride prompts a man to vaunt and overvalue what he is. I know that doesn't happen here. All right. And guess what's next? Will not what? Need to be what? Puffed up. We don't use puffed up anymore either. I always think of that puffer fish. Ever seen that in the aquarium? How many have seen one of those puffer fishes? They just go... And they do that to scare the other guys off, I think, right? And that's the... the God put that in them, like, you know? But the definition here is driven out suddenly as air or breath, blown up, swelled up with air, inflated with vanity or pride and praise. You say, why in the world will all these things affect your charity? Well, we know this. I've just already spoken. Why does this affect our charity? Don't make it hard. What is it? You're all about you. You got got a problem with you. Boy, when you get over the you problem, you get over a big thing, don't you? When you get over worrying about what other people think of you, how many of the reasons that we don't hand out a track? Come on, can we be honest this morning? We're kind of worried about what they're going to think of me, right? Wow, they're going to think I'm one of the religious people. And one of the 
Baptist Bible thumper. They probably think I'm a Jehovah Witness. Maybe I'll just lay it right there where they, they'll see it when they come by. You got a you problem. Listen, if we're going to love folks, we're going to just say, hey, I got something from the Lord for you. I'm amazed sometimes if you just, if, and, and, and it isn't all where it needs to be in my life yet, but boy, when it's there, and I feel it's there, and I'm able to just say, I, you know, I got something from the Lord from you about eternal life, and it just kind of flows out. And I've had people more than once say, well, thank you very much. I won't tell you about the other guys. But it's so exciting. Because I sense in my own spirit, in my own heart, that's the love of God. I'll give you another one. Charity. In verse number 5, if you're there. Chapter number 13. <clears throat> it says, Doth not behave itself unseemly. The idea of unseemly is not fit or becoming Indecent. You realize that sometimes we got to recognize if I'm others oriented, I'm going to dress in such a way for others, right? I'm going to watch sometimes, make sure I say thank you, please, right? How, do you, how, how many times do you know it, it's not what you say to others, but it's what? How you say it. Right? You ever run across those? How many, how many of you guys have been upset with customer service in your life? Right? I mean, it, they say all the right things, but they just the way they said it. I mean, just ugly and nasty and unseemly. You and I represent the king of kings. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're the king's kids. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. And boy, let me tell you, your life and your actions are on display everywhere you go. You let your hair down to the rest of your family. You know what? I'm not, maybe that's an expression we don't use anymore. How many of you don't yak yourself more with your family? How many think that's wrong? How many of you need to act what Christ wants you to be with your family? How about, how about you be with your family as you are with your neighbors? Well, maybe that won't come out right either. I hope it does. See, when you're, when you're consistent in your demeanor, guess what? That's evidence of something. That's evidence of a, of a charity. Of a love from God that says, listen, I'm going to love my family the same way I love the neighbors. Seeketh not his own. I'm not going to spend any time on that. I think that's clear. Your priority is not you. Your priority is someone else. The people around you. But look at the next one. It's not easily provoked. This is a huge one. Some of you got a you got a hair trigger. Now you you're able to contain it, and, but you know what? Instead of being a hair trigger and able to contain it, why don't you say, "I want God to take the hair trigger away"? 
There's no more hair trigger. There's no more I'm on the edge of saying something or doing something or acting in some way that's not right. Why don't we say, God, I want to, I want to have a loving spirit and a kind spirit. And when somebody treats me, I'm going to turn the other cheek. Isn't that what it is? Instead of just kind of holding back, continue to love them. Continue to be that charitable person that's not easily provoked. Not easily offended. Thinketh no evil. Another big one. Can we talk about that a little bit? What does it mean to think no evil? Remember the three monkeys? I think it's on my iPhone. I hear no evil. See no evil. Right? Say no evil. Right? But God says, well, I don't want you what? I don't want you to think no evil. Guess what? If we got this think no evil down right, and we, instead of thinking something that's rotten, and you, and you wouldn't dare, let me know you think things that you'd never say. Woo! <laughs> wow! That's deep. How about God get a hold of you in such a way that all of a sudden the, the, the evil thinking goes away? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be exciting? That somehow instead of there being that evil thought that pops up just like that so quick and so easy, that all of a sudden instead of that wicked thought that comes into your heart, evil thought comes in. I've, had, I've literally, I've had evil thoughts, so evil thoughts come into my mind. I said, man, God, am I a Christian? How many have had that? Wow. I said, wow. Where I've actually said this out loud. I said, wow, where did that come from? And I said, when I have those, that really brings me back to where I need to be and say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm really not right with you at all. Why you say, Pastor, why are you why are you laboring on this? Because this is the very foundation of what it means to live by faith. This is the very foundation that says I'm a Christian and God loves me and I'm living under his love and I'm living in his will. And I'm basking and enjoying the, the relationship that I have with Christ to the degree that I have no animosity toward others. Even when they do me wrong. You see, that's, that's not natural. That's not normal. It's not. It's the love of God. It's called charity. That's why I'm saying when we when we when we get a hold of this very aspect and we start cultivating the right mind and the right uh, attitudes and the right spirit, I think God. I actually honestly believe that's probably signs of revival. I really do. You start getting that serious about your Christian life and you start reflecting, say, "I'm going to reflect Christ, not me. I don't want to put on some facade." That, that's okay in Christianity today. You can behave this way and somehow that's all right. I want to have something that's supernatural and something divine in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit. Only God could give. These, these Corinthians, they were having so many issues going on. And Paul just says, takes a break here and says, wait a minute, I, I got a more perfect way. Let me show you the way. You got you got this behavior you guys have been uh, battling with over here. Let me show you this perfect, more perfect way. 
I don't know about you. <clears throat> I want that. I believe every Christian that wants to see God work in his life wants that. Almost done, folks. His charity's reflection in <clears throat> rejoicing not in iniquity. Well, you know, if you're not rejoicing in the truth, you are rejoicing in iniquity. Did you realize that? I want to go through some verses together with you. So <clears throat> get your Bible ready. John chapter 14, verse number 7. What is the first truth? See, it's like anything else. I love grapefruit juice. I really do. Just, I just love it. Just, just squeeze it out. Just right, right out of the grape thing. I don't want no sugar in it. Nothing. I just love it. Now, I know if somebody fills it half full of grape juice and half full of orange juice. <laughs> it's no good. Or they put water in it. Well, that's watered down. I don't taste very good. I want full strength. When we live in the truth, John chapter 14, verse 17, read it with me. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you the spirit of what? Truth. Now what do you need, do you and I need the spirit of truth in order to deal with some of the things I talked about this morning? Oh yeah. Because the spirit of, of iniquity is, is with us already. And we need to be cleansed from that iniquity. We need to change from that. I want the spirit of Christ, the spirit of truth. Chapter 17. <clears throat> John, verse 17, well, the high priestly prayer, but he says what? He says to the, <clears throat> to the Heavenly Father, sanctify them through thy what? Through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So he said, listen, if you're going to be, if you're going to not rejoice in iniquity, which is our present state, then we've got to be filled with the word of truth. And it's going to be sanctified. Verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. You say you want to get not to rejoice in iniquity, then you've got to recognize there's a there's something missing when it comes to the truth. Chapter 18, verse number 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Thou art a king then? Jesus answered, Thou saidest, I am a king. To this I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear the, the witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth everyone that is of the truth heareth what? My voice. You don't want to rejoice in iniquity? And you fill your mind up with what? Truth. And as soon as something comes in that's not of the truth, you'll know it's the, you'll say, wait a minute, that's not of God. That's not the voice. Doesn't the, doesn't the Bible say in John 10, 10, my sheep hear my voice? And they do what? And they do follow me. So we, we, we say, when a, we don't rejoice in iniquity. Unless you're doing an advocate for that, you will be rejoicing in it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, 1 Timothy 3, 15. If I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, 
which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So you miss church. Need I say any more? If your church is advocating following this book, not making excuses for it, you're in the right church. should be the pillar and the ground of it. We want to rejoice in iniquity and <clears throat> but rejoice in the truth. We have to know what the truth is. Last slide, folks. His charity. The reflection in verse number 17, 7 of chapter 13. Beareth all things Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Bearing all things. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three, I'll read it, you may not get there in time. Verse number four. Thou therefore endure hardness as what? Good soldier, Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affair of the zip life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. He endures hardness. You say there's going to be hardness as a Christian? Yep. That idea of bearing all things means that you're going to keep on going. You're going to say, oh, this is too heavy and this is too hard. How many of you know that your pastor says to himself, when I get this tracks out, I say, man, I don't know, this doesn't seem to be having a good, good effect. Well, people don't seem to be that interested in doing that. I mean, you know, the devil tells me, pastor, why don't you just throw that off? Just throw that off. I mean, you know that there's times that I keep harping on having your devotions, and, and, and the devil keeps saying to me, pastor, why don't you just throw that off? Why, why are you carrying that, bearing that burden? And yet the Holy Spirit says, just tell him to shut up. We need to be witnesses and we need to have our devotions. We beareth all things. Secondly, we believeth all things. Proverbs 14, 15, if you're in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well into his going. You say, that don't fit with what you're asking. I thought just thought you said you, we need to believe with all things. The simple. <laughs> That's what the defining word is. We don't just believe all things. We believe things that are right. We think things that are of God. Things that are of the truth. We believe the things that are of God. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse number 23. Jesus said unto him, if y'all can't believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That's what it says when we talk about praying. How many would be honest with me this morning and say there's times that I, I don't pray because I don't believe in prayer? Come on. There's times that there, you need to pray and you just, well, I don't have time right now. You don't believe in prayer. That's what it is. When you, it may seem sound strange. Your pastor prayed for people during the service. Tells me to pray for people in the service. 
You listening? We believe in prayer. The idea there is that we believe with all things. We're trusting God will give us the grace that we need. Salvation 5.24 of John. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath the everlasting life. John 6.35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Is believing all things a good thing? Boy, when you start holding this book out as the authority in everything that you do. Got a question about raising your family? It's in the book. Got a question about your marriage? It's in the book. Got a question about what you should give? It's in the book. Got a question about soul winning? It's in the book. You believe all things. Well, I take some. Used to pay, I remember the first smorgasbord place I went to. It's called the Redwood Inn. Man, I love to go there because I could. I didn't have to eat the vegetables. I could go over to the meat counter and just slice off that ham. Oh, that's good. I love fish. I just scoop it on there. All I'd have would be meat. And but you know what? We believe all things, don't we? We're not just going to pick out what we want. We're going to take what God says will bless us. Enduring all things. Let me get down to that one. We'll be done. I can't pass this one up. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. I love that verse. And you believe that this book is the answer and is the answer for everybody around you. Out of your belly shall flow up. And your kids get blessed. Your neighbors get blessed. Your relatives, your mother, father, grandfather. Neighbors get blessed. That's a fruitful Christian life. Let me give you the last one as we close. Got a lot of them. Don't have time. There's hope. Hope with all things. Psalm 38, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 42, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Is hope important? We have to tell ourselves at times, Lord, let me just hope in you. Endureth all things. The last one. What is enduring? Enduring is not a quitter, is it? Is there quitters in the Christian faith? We get tired, get weary. How many of you know some quitters? How many of you know yourself that you could be a quitter? The idea of being enduring all things, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake what Paul said. Endure all things for the elect's sake. Listen, you're going through a challenge in your life that may be a demonstration to your children that Jesus is real. 
You realize that? That may be the evidence for your neighbor, friends, or family that Jesus is real. I'm going to maintain a Christian charity, a Christian spirit, a Christian attitude, even if I'm going through the worst of times. Because why? It may be for the elect's sake. God may be given evidence of his presence in this world right through you. What is it all about? I'm done. Charity is what? What is charity? Charity is just like you and me. Every single person in this world is important. Whether they're young, old, smart, pretty, ugly, whether they like you, whether they don't like you, whether you know them, whether you don't know them. Charity changes us, folks. You know who really benefits when, when we really get a hold of this? Listen to me. I'm done, I'm done. Listen to me. When we really get a hold of this charity, when, when we really understand it, the one that benefits the most is your spouse. You know who benefits? It's those people that you see every day. on the fringe who benefits are those people that don't even know you. But it's the ones that know you. Let me finish it. It's the ones that know you that says, I know a lot of people that follow the soul church. They're so consistent in their spirit and their attitude and their action and their thoughts and their words. The only thing that I can account that for is they truly are a person that knows Christ. Is that little word charity important? Do we need to cultivate that a little bit in our life? Do you think it changed things in your home? How many think Christ wants to be the same every single moment in your life? I honestly believe it converts your children. They'd see Jesus. How, how many of you think it'd be? How, how, would, how would it be?
stand last Lord Father, we thank you. Every eye opposed, every head bowed, no one looking around. You're here this morning. And you know there's some 